And now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Harshman with Black Firehouse Podcast. As always, here for episode two with my partner in crime, Mr. Austin Young. Hello, hello. How are you doing today, Austin? I'm fantastic. I am so excited to be here. We're, we're doing episode two, which I'm really excited about. We've had a lot of really good feedback on episode one, which I know has me really jazzed to, to talk more about the, the Ghostbusters one costumes. How about you? Are you getting a lot of good feedback? Oh, yeah. It's been it's been really great. Um, I'm really yeah. happy to see it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of one of those things, you know, it's such a a niche kind of podcast, as you would say, you know, we're, we're not mm-hmm. as super cool multimedia as, uh, as say our friends over at yes, have some, um, or even, you know, grassroots nerddom, like our, our good pals over at Bama geeks, or even just straight ghostbusters, uh, like interdimensional cross rip. Um, but we love all those guys and we're really, really happy for their support. I know I've gotten a lot of support from them. Um, and they're all super awesome people and, you should check out all of their podcasts if you haven't, um, just for some really, really exceptional pop culture content, nerd content, and of course, Ghostbusters content. But as always, we're going to keep it uh, prop related here, the Black Firehouse podcast. So uh, interesting things going on in the prop community. Austin, I know you shared some videos today to our Facebook page. Anything that was incredibly interesting for you? Uh, yeah, tested drop that. Uh, the new video today with the costume designer uh, Danny Glicker, and uh, it was it was a cool video. It was insightful. Um, you know, they took Adam through a a tour of the wardrobe trailer and uh, took a pretty in depth look at the afterlife uniforms and kind of the process that they went through to recreate them and the links that they went through to try and make sure that it was as accurate as possible, which really made me happy. I don't know about you, but I mean, yeah, that definitely made me happy. I think it was definitely, <laughs> well, it was one of the stronger tested videos, you know, up, up coming up to the release of Afterlife. I was really hooked on, on everything that Adam Savage was releasing. And I, and I always love his content. He's such an energetic guy and he's so cool and creative. He's kind of like, you know, the, that maker idol. Um, yeah. But I have to say, I was really disappointed with his bit on the Ecto. Yeah. Um, Because like, uh, it was mostly like, we're going to show shots of Adam Savage's face and how much fun he's having driving the Ecto. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I was like, okay, I, I, <laughs> I, mean, was ho- I get it. <laughs> yeah. I get it too. Like I would, I was really hoping, you know, oh, we'll do a part two. We'll take us inside. We'll look at the interior yeah. and you know, we'll look at the trap door and the gunner seat. And so far, nothing, nothing. It's like, it's like okay. hey, this, these were the links we went to, to, to replicate everything on, the existing Ecto one, you know, this is where we found this. This is how we did that. And they're like, Nope, but you want to, <laughs> you want to take it around a few laps. Okay. Um, but still yeah. really, really cool series of videos. And I'm, I'm hoping that those are going to be included on the, 
ultimate edition of uh, Ghostbusters 1, 2, and Afterlife coming out next month. Yeah, and I um, noticed the little little title card at the end of this one is it's now switched over to, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife on digital and Blu-ray disc, you know, February 1st. And so I'm yeah. hoping that means leading up so. leading up to the release, we're still going to get a few more of these videos. Um, I kind of cool. figured that they were going to come to a stop after yeah. the last one. I was super surprised that they still released them. So hopefully that's kind of their, their warm up for the home release. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that they're actually on the DVDs just because it, it, it's one of those cool things that I would like to be able to watch them on large format, you know, in 4k or, and or whatever pause on my television pause. Frame, yeah. Frame pause. by frame. <laughs> the stuff that we really need yeah. to, to pull from those videos though. Um, man, his, his release of something like the 150 some odd photos of the Phoebe hero pack. That was, that was a gift. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, a couple months ago, that to, was, that was an incredible gift to the community. Being able to have that sort of inside access to things like high resolution, detailed photos, all sorts of different angles, even some measurements, you know, mm-hmm. a few measurements included. I mean, well, enough measurements un- to extrapolate whatever we needed out of it. You know, yeah. you, don't, you don't need everything to have a, a yardstick next to it, but he knows. And I, and I really liked that he ended up being responsible for that project because he knows the little details that we're looking for. So he knows those little weird angles that we want to see on the pack. And he showed those to us and it yeah. really just, ah, it was so cool. That was that was really, really awesome. Not only of, of Adam Savage, but of, of course of ghost core to allow him to release that kind of information. Well, that, and I mean, it's just it's stuff we would have killed for 20 years ago. I mean, there's you oh, know, yeah. not having to <laughs> stuff photo- kill for today. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, not having to stand, you know, behind a piece of glass and shoot a laser pointer into the into the display and take photos and extrapolate measurements and things that way you know like how but far it's come you don't want to extrapolate measurements of an entire pack based on known measurements of a clippered valve i mean i wouldn't not do it if i was forced to but I it's much easier know. just to I was like, <laughs> have a what? tape like, measure present <laughs> lightsabers are easier i'm out <laughs> yeah uh gosh so did you see the did you see the new prop announcement from fun.com i did yes yeah it's uh can we talk about it yeah we can talk about it so all right i want to i want to preface this i want to say i have an incredible amount of respect for the spirit modders um i don't know if you've spent any time in the spirit modification forums on facebook there are some very, very, very creative, very talented individuals there that are doing some really, really awesome things. And I love the Spirit Proton Pack for for what it is. Yeah. I love that it is a a basically it's it's a gateway drug, you know, to mm-hmm. to Ghostbusters building. I like that, you know, if you want to just get a taste for wearing a Proton Pack that you don't have to break the bank, you can spend less than a hundred bucks and get a proton pack that looks the part and throw it on your back and have fun. And if you want to keep delving into it, you can add on to it. And at some point you may even say, Hey, you know what? This is no longer enough. I want to, I want to get into, you know, building off of a shell or a 3d print or something like that. I, I like the spirit pack for that. Um, 
but fun.com has announced a new pack uh, with no details but photos and a lot of the photos show it using um, features from the spirit proton pack like uh, um, elbows and you know stuff like that all seem to be constructed very very similarly to what is on the spirit proton pack yeah and um but it it seems to be maybe it would be more full size but it is still very much in that realm of the same quality as spirit so i would think for something like that you know even at full size but same same realm of quality i'm thinking maybe okay it's going to be a uh, $150 maybe $200 yeah $500 yeah i don't i don't get it at all I, I'm $500. It was like, (laughs) there was a group of people in a room designing product based on their licenses. And they're like, Hey, how can we make sure that absolutely no one buys this? Or they're like, let's charge $500 for a deluxe spirit proton pack because that's that's half the appeal that that's more than half the appeal of spirit proton pack because if you just want a proton pack it looks fine on a wall and it's you know a hundred bucks or less that's great five hundred dollars that's a hundred dollars more than the hasbro pack and 500 percent less features yes see that's my maybe that's what i was thinking is they're all sitting around in a room they're like hey did you see how much Hasbro's getting for that pack? <laughs> we could charge a hundred dollars extra. People would buy it. They're all from Long Island. I mean, yeah, exactly. I guess. Yeah, they have to be to to come up with something so horrid. I was just, I was disappointed. Like it's yeah. one of those things. I've never, never wanted to look down on other people because everybody's always at different levels. You know, coming into the hobby where they want to be at the hobby, what they want out of the hobby. Yeah. You know, what, what brings them joy? I've, you know, always been careful not to be like, oh, well, you know, your stuff is lesser than mine. It's not, it's just different than mine. Yeah. Uh, but if you spend $500 on that, I'm going to make fun of you. It, I mean, <laughs> it's, the sad it's, part, the sad part is somebody is going to buy it because they are uninformed, uneducated. I, and, well, I, you know, that's what sucks about it. Someone I, I will buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, oh man, I'm going to need a lot of 20% off coupons <laughs> to, <laughs> to really justify that one. Can you, can you stack coupons at Spirit? <laughs> can you stack or like, fun? can I do, can I do four of them? Can I get 90% off? For maybe the, maybe the extra hundred dollars. It looks like it has a mock Alice frame on it. Maybe that's where the extra hundred dollars comes in. Oh gosh. Well, because the Hasbro doesn't wanted... have that. No, the Hasbro doesn't have that. But everybody keeps, oh, it has a frame. It has a frame. I'm like, guys, look at the quality of what's going on there. I mean, this is this is going to be lighter than light plastic. Like, you remember the 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 the, the tube frames that you used to put together to make your your uh, your tents in your bedroom, like the Teenage oh, yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles tents and stuff, and like oh, those yeah. break. This stuff is going to be made out of plastic, less robust than that. Yeah. And I'm like, this is this is not a good thing, guys. That it has an Alice frame on it, and uh, 
Hey, but um, the, the wand looks okay. No, it doesn't. I mean, everything's stickers. The the half moon, the half moons were orange. Yeah, but I mean, just you know, it says slow bowl. <laughs> Does it really? It says slow bowl. Hold it on. doesn't even say slow blow. It does... Hold on. It says slow bowl. Are you looking? <laughs> I oh my god, it does say that. That's incredible. <laughs> I need my slow bowl fuse sticker. Wow. We'll get you know, uh we'll get AJ to release special edition slow bowl stickers. Yes, please. AJ, if you're listening, get on that ASAP. Need you to redo the entire decal set to include slow bowl. <laughs> I hope it stays like that. <laughs> I hope I hope they don't fix it. I <laughs> we'll see. Oh gosh. So yeah, that that's what's kind of going on today in the world of uh, Ghostbusters props. So I think we'll go ahead. Let's let's keep this moving on. You want to you want to go into what's on our workbench? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. The proton pack is not a toy. I guess it's right. Austin, what's on your workbench? Well, same thing as last time. Oh, but, crap. <laughs> uh, I did get an, a metal ion arm in from AJ the other day, and I spent uh, uh, a while grinding the welds off <laughs> because I'm doing an afterlife pack with it. So that was fun. You're doing an, you're doing an afterlife pack with metal metal accessories? Yes, sir. Why? Um, Because I can. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. I, you know, I, I've been tossing that around um, as far as the, so I don't think I'm going to do a Phoebe pack. I think when I finally get around to an afterlife pack, I want to do one of the original Ghostbuster packs, which of course is, is pretty much just a Ghostbusters two pack, but it has the two additional underside switches and the uh, flex fittings Yeah, where the uh, split loom would be. I think that's going to be something more appealing for my collection. Yeah. I'll still collect the parts for the Phoebe packs. Um, but well, and those packs too are really interesting because uh, they've got a lot of additional weathering on them, or I and, should say they have weathering as opposed to the originals, you know, it will and unique weathering too. Yeah. So they're, they're not, uh, they're not like in Ghostbusters two where the packs were weathered because they just, you know, through the Ghostbusters one packs in a storage closet somewhere. Yeah, for they didn't five care. Years. Um, they they intentionally weathered them with uh, a lot of silver, so there's a lot more implications. Actually, on a lot of the props for Ghostbusters Afterlife, a lot of implications of props being metal, like you know, yeah, silver weathering on the PKE meter, which mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Like I always like the idea of even maybe Egon having made his pke meter out of a shoe polisher that just seems so egon um i mean it's metal now i mean i get from a visual standpoint it's more interesting yeah um and you know i don't mind it i mean when we first started getting a glimpse of the afterlife packs or the phoebe pack specifically i remember kind of groaning and going oh my god silver dry brush weathering like really we're doing this (laughs) simply because 
I have no problem with with silver weathering on a proton pack, as long as it's not overdone, which is something that people tend to do a lot. They go right. over every single edge, every high spot, even in places that make no sense, like that would never come in contact with another surface. It's but it's weathered, you know. Right. And, yeah, but these guys are professionals. I mean, this is not. Well, and the thing is. They're not attacking these things with silver sharpies there. No, the, and the the weathering that we were seeing early on was, you know, trailer screen grabs and things like that. And, uh, right. you know, those packs have a, a texture to them that's different from the originals. They, they almost have a, yes. like a cast iron texture. Yes. A, and so, you know, having not been aware of that early on, it seemed like it was just kind of sloppily applied, you know, with a paintbrush and there wasn't really any rhyme or reason to it. It was just sort of randomized. Right. Mm-hmm. But I've gotten used to it. And now that we've gotten these better looks at the packs, the, the tested photos and things like that, it's more aware that more thought went into it. I, uh, I very much enjoyed the weathering that afterlife has committed to. I've always yeah. been a big fan. You know, my favorite version of the Ecto one is, is um, at the beginning of Ghostbusters 2, where yeah. it's, you know, it's backfiring and it has that grime and, and gross on it. Now, Afterlife, of course, they're, they were commuting, communicating a much longer age gap there. So there's a lot yeah. more to it. But um, overall, all their props were still, they were beat up, they were worn, used looking, um, but still really serviceable. I'm, I'm not sold on the amount of duct tape that they used, but uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think when I put together my RTV remote, I might be leaving out the the gracious application of you're, duct you're tape making on the a an as first built by version. Yes, as first built by Egon before he dropped it half a dozen times. Yes, yeah, dropped it out of the Ecto while it was running and ran over it <laughs> backwards and forwards. Yes, but no. Uh, so the weathering, you know, I. I've gotten used to it and I've actually come to really appreciate it. I, I like it a lot. And I like, like you said, the story it's telling that, you well, know, the props just, they're beautiful. Yeah, they really are. Um, the art book. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to pick it up or look through it. Yeah, I have. Um, it, there's a lot of unused concepts in there that I think were stronger for the story that they were trying to tell. Um, but at the end of the day, I can only complain so much because I, yeah. I think my biggest fear for any Ghostbusters follow up was always going to be, are we going to get iPhone proton packs? Yeah. And I've I've always seen the props as being pieces of industrial machinery. You know, yeah. uh, a soil scoop has not really changed um, over the past 50 years and yeah. i never thought the proton pack should either you know they're not cell phones they're not electronics they're they are industrial machines and i i love that i got my wish which was to see a proton pack on the big screen like that again which yeah. was just yeah that was i mean wonderful. and we've dodged that bullet twice now like we've had two movies where they're they're still thrown together pieces of junk you know they're not highly yeah. highly polished sterile you know props. very true very, very true. Yeah, the the prop design for Answer the Call um, was solid. It was mm-hmm. very, very well done. Very well thought out. Um, I know not everybody really likes the redesigns, but if you take them for what they are, you take 
everything else that you thought about that movie away and really just look at it as the pure aesthetics of does this look like it could bust ghosts? You know, does this look like it matches the ethos of a proton pack? I would have to say, yeah, a hundred percent looks great. Absolutely. So I'm working on (laughs) Spangler's 1984 workbench. (laughs) 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 That's, that is, that's been my project this week. Building a new Um, workbench, are you? Yeah, it's a new workbench with with blackjack and hookers. No, it's uh, we have had <laughs> a wonderful growing community, just an absolutely wonderful growing community, especially uh, Ben Eady, the, the props master for the on-set filming of Ghostbusters Afterlife, has been throwing us a lot of uh, shout-outs, and word is just spreading that there is this uh, community of really, really detail-obsessive Ghostbuster geeks. Um, and you know, what's setting the workbench apart is that we're, well, we're, we're strict on the rules. You know, it's, it's just, we're trying to fill in the same niche that the black firehouse podcast is, is we're, we're here for the details. That's what we really love about the franchise. You know, the investigation, yeah. the debate, the argument, the, the respective argument, I should say. Um, so we've gotten a lot of new people and a lot of really fantastic people, but, it's just it's uh, it's finding that balance. You know, we only have, aside from myself, two moderators and trying to find the balance of how do we filter out and give people the chance to get the feel for what this part of the community is about um, and is definitely not a gatekeeping elitist nobody's supposed to be here you know he-man woman haters club it's just that we as a community get a particular appreciation out of the details of of ghostbusters props and costumes and that has caught on really really well um it's had a few hiccups it's had a few bumps but that's what happens when you have 1.5 thousand people yeah Um, but we've set it up right now where we're trying out post approvals just to kind of kind of trim back on that fat and we'll we'll probably bring in another moderator or so but um you know this is also kind of serving as a large plug of course for the spenglers 1984 workbench which is the discussion forum for the black firehouse podcast but it's a great community yeah um you know we already started delving into the the uniform plugs on the afterlife uniforms and man I mean, I, I I saw it and said, hey, I think this is really a cool idea to have a, a, a leg hose plug. So when yeah. you're not using the leg hose and like I think 30 minutes later, two or three different people had new concepts that they had already designed in 3D modeling programs mm-hmm. and and up close shots showing that, hey, it looks like the leg hose adapters for this were were 3D printed and molded. I mean, like that that to me is awesome. Yeah, like that is what the community there is about. And of course, then just some some still really fantastic builds from everything from, you know, Nikita uh, battery holders for Ghostbusters 2 semi hero packs and uh, another fantastic build on a a semi hero. I'm sorry, not semi hero stunt Ghostbusters trap, which is also looking beautiful. And that's just today. And like that's that's the kind of content that we're we're really looking for there. Um, You know, obviously, everybody is welcome, but. You, you still have to play by our rules to, to play in our sandbox. 
<laughs> I mean, and you know what? If that's not your if that's not your jam, if if you're not into oh, yeah. highly specific detail, then you know, I mean, that's fine too. That's uh, okay. There are so many amazing groups out there. Um the you know spirit proton pack builders i talked about there's there's groups popping up for people who are just doing modifications on the hasbro stuff 3d printed ghostbuster props yeah they're really they do some amazing work over there oh yeah um, ben of kent has his own forum lots of really you know good happenings there a lot of his kit builds and stuff are going out there i think aaron mack even has a forum that i I don't think was started by Aaron Mack, but that's, yeah. Hey, that's, that's, that's not my, not my horse, not my race, but, um, a new one I just saw pop up. There's a, there's an RTV builders group that just popped up there? recently and oh, wonderful. I, I joined it a couple of days ago and there's some really awesome stuff going on in there. I mean, crazy accurate stuff going on. That's that I'm going to have to check that out. Cause you know, you've got me hooked on the, the wanting to do the RTV builds, So that would be, yeah, it's 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 really cool. There, I can't remember the guy's name, but he posted uh, some progress shots today, and of his, it's mostly three D printed. But I mean, dude, it's spot on. It's well, I it's think fantastic. The, the real ones were. I mean, you had the yeah, you had the Traxxas chassis and and wheels and stuff, but for the most part, the the trap, everything from the what was actually radio controlled up was all three D printed, from what I understand. That's yeah. That's how it appears. I mean, aside from maybe the side plates, everything else looked yeah. uh, looks three D printed. Maybe the handles. I think they might be actual aluminum. But yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Well, that's awesome. So, um, that's that's what I got on my workbench. That's my plugin for today. I guess we should get to it. We're talking about Ghostbusters one uniforms. You ready to do this? Oh well, yeah, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Listen. You smell something? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. What? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Why? So, Austin, last time we were talking about the Ghostbusters 1 jumpsuits and patches, and we got we got pretty good into that. We talked about the, the Todd Cook V3. Um, I am mm-hmm. super happy to follow up with that. By the way, I spoke with Todd Cook uh, today, actually, and he is working with a owner of a Ghostbusters 2 hero jumpsuit to bring his version of the Ghostbusters 2 patch to market. Awesome. Um, So that is super exciting. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, And then we, we spoke about the flight suits, but you had some stuff that you wanted to revisit on that. So lay it out, man. Yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, going back to the Spangler group, there was a post made a couple of days ago regarding the uh, name tags, specifically the Calgary name tags. Yeah, which are great, I think. Yeah, they. Uh, the issue was brought up that apparently they'd ordered, ordered one, received one. I won't go into details, but it, it, a replacement ended up being, being issued. It was different, and 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 it was different. It was smaller, right? And. You know, I ended up getting into a couple of discussions with people through Messenger that night over the name tags and things and just kind of the, the nuances of the different versions. And um, there's uh, apparently a Novos put out 
name tags, which I don't even remember Anova's putting out name tags. I knew they put out a logo patch. They did, it, and it's it does not stand up right now. Yeah. Um, the Anovos patch, though, looks like they've tried to implement kind of the wonky, wavy uh, letters, the, mm-hmm. the, the font, mm-hmm. right? But it's very manufactured. It's got kind of a stair-step quality to it. Okay. And so I kind of wanted to to talk about that, I guess, briefly. Sure. Just kind of what we... Uh, do we have... I don't think we have any solid confirmation as to whether or not they were hand stitched or machine embroidered um well, well, well we can look at the ever wonderful ghostbusters reference library but i don't think that's going to really bring us the confirmation that we would need i know what you're talking about um and it does it has that hand stitched quality when you're looking at the names but they're so exact I'm I'm well, gonna err on the side that they were machine done, but 1980s. I'm, I yeah, I kind of tend to agree because it led me down a rabbit hole. Because honestly, it's not something I've ever thought to research too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it led me down a rabbit hole. I started looking at like period embroidered patches, sure, you know, from the 70s, from the 80s, and most of the text and things like that, they're not that great. Mm-mm. It's not very symmetrical. It's very wavy. It's very wonky. Um, and it, I, I looked at too many examples for it to just be coincidence, you know. So I feel like they're probably. And, and if you look at the font and you look at the stitch pattern, you have some stitches that are off that are wonky. But for the most part, they're pretty in line with each other. Yeah. They follow each other fairly well more than I would think hand stitching would accomplish that. And uh, the spacing between the letters, um, I think that's called the kerning. <laughs> it's been a long time yeah, since I've yeah. done typeface uh, studies, yeah. but the kerning on the screen used ones is, is much, much tighter than anything that is available on the market. Yeah. Well, and the letters themselves, they're different on each jumpsuit like not all the s's look exactly the same right and so that's something that kind of leads me towards okay well are they hand stitched i don't know enough about vintage embroidery machining to know you know how accurate and precise they were when you did repeats you know right yeah i I, that is something that is outside of my expertise i mean that's one of the reasons why i enjoyed my conversation with todd so much was because i mean Mm -hmm. he really researched patches and and that was super awesome well and you know i I also went back to the logo patches Mm -hmm. and started looking and they seem a lot more precise than i guess i had really remembered yeah and i definitely agree that those are probably machine embroidered yeah definitely um you know they're not perfect but they are more uniform than i think a lot of people give them credit for absolutely so and then the other thing that i kind of picked up on is we know we talked about the uh the small section of white embroidering on the thumb Mm -hmm. 
And I and I knew I've I've known forever that it's there on the stance pack or uh, patch rather. But I went back and looked, and it's present on all of them. Mm-hmm. It is, which is, and I thought that was really interesting. It's a weird thing. My my guess, my my normal run of the mill guess is that they said, okay, we're going to try and embroider this whole thing as white, and then somebody said, hey, this is stupid. We already have a an off white background. Let's or a white background. Let's let's just go with that. Um. But why that is on four of them, I don't know, unless the machine was literally embroidering for the patches at the same time, which is a possibility. So my thought is maybe all the patches got embroidered, and for whatever reason, you know, the red bled over into that area of the thumb, or or something went wrong, and so they had to go in it. And they went in and fixed it by hand. Or, or even possibly by machine. I don't, I don't know if it was interesting possible to do something like that back then. Pure but, conjecture. You know, be, <laughs> exactly. Pure well, conjecture. And, you know, the uh, the video, of, the tested video today. Uh, Danny Glicker talks about that little spot on the patch. Really? Which, yeah. In fact, he. Uh, I I wasn't even aware that they were on the afterlife patch. I hadn't looked that closely. I assumed it was just the white background of the rest of it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But, uh, you know, he, he refers to it as a repair. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, but why all four of them would need repairing, I don't know. So that's kind of why I think it might have just been a mistake on the embroideries machine. You know, like. Like maybe that's why the, just, the, maybe the thumbs weren't embroidered over. Yeah. And they I had mean, to go I in mean, and add knows. those thumbs. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Oh no, I'm glad you brought that up. That definitely raises some some interesting points about the pieces and just a little bit more intrigue and also a little bit more how we we still don't know everything there is to know. We know a lot. Um, but every day is is something new, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean we're never gonna know everything. No, not you until know, we get that time machine up and running. Right. It, it it's crazy to me that we still don't really know anybody that built the proton packs no we know oh yeah. and unfortunately the the main source of that that would have been you know Stephen dane is no longer with us which is a real shame i think out of yeah. everybody involved with ghostbusters directors actors you know i'm grateful to have met so many of them but uh that's that's the man i really would have loved to have had just a lunch yeah. with just to be like Lay it on me, man. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, very. And then one other thing I wanted to touch on mm-hmm. on the uniforms themselves. Sure. That I meant I meant to mention in the last episode. Um. There's a really odd detail on one of the stance suits that I I feel like not that we don't already know this, but just more evidence for the pile, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is probably more confirmation that they're custom made. You needed more confirmation that they were custom made? Just It's just a little thing that I want to bring up. Okay. So there was a stance suit that was auctioned off years ago. I think mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, if I remember right, it was on eBay. And I don't remember... Maybe it was maybe it was an auction site uh, like profiles or something like that. But okay, the 
left hand, the little, uh, the tab, the Velcro tab on the wrist, mm-hmm. it's sewed on backwards. Really? So instead of being on like the inside seam of the arm, where it would be, where it would be facing out away from the sleeve, it's sewn on the inside sleeve, the back sleeve or the back seam, and it's facing towards the front of you. Interesting. Now, that's certainly a mistake that can happen from a factory. I just feel like it might be more likely to be a mistake that just wasn't caught by, you know, a wardrobe department. Definitely. I'm. Uh, you have me interested. I'm trying to see if the reference library has a capture of that particular image. Uh, it does. I don't... I should have prepared and had it pulled up How dare. to send you sooner. I'm sorry. But no, I just th- I just thought that it was interesting. interesting. Now, I think I'm almost positive that's what it is. I mean, it could be a trick of the light, I don't know, but it just it looks like it's sewn on backwards. I'll have to and check that out. the only thing is I've never been able to find it in the movie. Well, hopefully so somebody will be able to chime in and tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> well, probably. <laughs> I'm sure they will at some point. And it's okay to be wrong. It is. You know, that's the thing about all of this discussion we go through is we have our opinions. You know, we feel very strongly about some of them. But, dude, I will happily, happily eat crow if I'm proven wrong. Like. That's fair. Lay it on me because it's not for me. It's not about being right. It's about being accurate. It, well, you know? yeah. So, well, for me, it's about being right. So I'm going to go get my shovel and I'm going to dig up to Casey Kasem. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, listen, what'd you say? <laughs> Good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, excellent. So definitely some interesting details. I'm going to have to look into more on the, the stance cuff because I'm not, there's nothing jumping off the page at me um, right now with the stance uniforms that are available in the reference library. Um, so we'll definitely have to take a look at that. Maybe that's something we can revisit again next episode. But today, move it on from jumpsuits and patches before we spend another hour on jumpsuits and patches. We're talking about yes. belts, boots, and elbow pads. Yes, we are. And that's it. That's it. That's the whole topic. Congratulations, everybody. Have a great Thanks, night. Everybody. Thanks, everybody. for tuning in. So I'm I'm looking at the belts, and, you know, for the longest time. So... First things first, the the Ghostbuster belts, um, they are based off of the M1956 military issue pistol belt. Very, very similar to the M1936 pistol belt. The, the biggest difference here between the 36 and the 56 being the uh, keeper snap. Um, yeah. And before... Before Vietnam, uh, there was a small individual first aid pouch that was issued to soldiers that had a small snap button clasp, and it would sit at the front of your belt, and it had enough space for one bandage, and that's that's what you would put in there, or uh, some people would use it as a compass pouch later on as well, but that that's the big primary difference between them. Um, the other thing, though, is these belts are not off the rack um yeah they are custom-made pieces and one of the things i i definitely want to stress when we're coming up to hollywood and and wardrobe is that 
weird things like belts and flight suits tend to get custom made um when you do have things that are off the rack it ends up actually being more unusual and that would be things like maybe uh venkman's ll bean uh orange shirt that he wears at the the lincoln center yeah um and it and go on well and specifically things like something like a like a uniform is more likely to be custom made than something like off the rack clothing Mm -hmm. i mean they make off the rack clothing all the time don't get me wrong but when it's something as important as the, like those Ghostbusters uniforms, there tends to be more attention and and time given to it. Mm-hmm. And it looks like uh, the Ghostbusters one belts in question were created by the studio of Fredericks out of New York, which I thought was interesting. And these come from, again, photos on the reference library. But originally, these were Harold Ramis's... Uh, belts, boots, and elbow pads that eventually made it into the collection of Peter Mosin before being sold off Mm -hmm. uh, individually to other private collectors within the last, I think, three years or so is when he finally offloaded those. And I was was disappointed that I was not in a position to get any of them because they're really fantastic examples of, um, you know, the, the belts that they used in Ghostbusters, the the stunt gizmos on there, of course, them replicating the sanyo icc 808d and uh mm-hmm. you know about the cousin though of the the icc 808 right uh refresh my memory. that is the sanyo uh icc 802 d which uses a almost identical circuit board and nixie tubes but instead of the error box uh uses an error tube at the very end gotcha. and then even more okay. interesting is the the 808d i know of at least and there's probably more out there um variations of it in which the air box has a bundle of red wires coming out of it which is what they use for the mm-hmm. movie um i have one that i own that has a bundle of green wires coming out of the air box running to the main board and uh and then of course there's the digital variant of the 808d which man collectors beware you know when you're when you're on ebay there are people that will have absolutely no problem listing their calculator as the 808d ghostbusters accurate and you throw down your five or six hundred dollars on it and come to find out it's the digital version of it Um, yeah i mean i would be hesitant to buy any of them without a picture of it opened up i i know when i bought mine um I had the seller verify with photos of the calculator that were dated with good lighting so that I could actually look and, and spot the Nixie tubes behind the screen before I committed to buying yeah. it. Because I did see one in that same period when I was searching where I was looking at the screen and um, there was an 802 board inside the 808. And I was just like, that's yeah. not okay. You know, 802s, you're you're really looking at, you know, maybe 200 to $300 for those because they're really, really very, very close. Great stand-ins. Um, yeah. But it's not the same. And that matters. It matters a it lot. It matters a lot. It matters a lot. Have we ever been able to identify the daughter boards? 
Um, not that I'm aware of. Neither am I. I mean, and Lord knows what they're out of. I mean, you know, they could be little circuit boards that were in a bin at Apex. Yeah. You know, for all we know. Man, for for anybody uh, listening, Apex is a industrial electronic surplus warehouse in L.A. that the prop makers um, got most of the greeblies from for for Ghostbusters. And there are still, I still firmly believe that there's treasures to be found there. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because the place is massive. But it has been also gone through very, very thoroughly. Um, but everything from hat lights to heat sinks and uh, everything in between came out of Apex Electronics. So that's definitely a, a dream place that I want a vacation to. I would, I would go out to L.A. just so I could spend a few days digging through the boxes at Apex Electronics. And then just go home. It just yeah. don't see anybody. No. Don't go sightseeing. Nope. Just go dig at Apex. I don't care. I'm I'm right there yeah. with you, dude. That's what I want to do. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to go and visit the firehouse and get shot. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we we drove by in 2016 at night, no less. Did anybody and, get out uh, of that car? No, and and we hesitated to roll the window down, <laughs> um, but we did. I snapped a really quick blurry picture, and then we. Went on our merry way. I, I think if I had the opportunity that the, uh, I think it was the Denver Ghostbusters had way back in, I think, 2014 to actually go and tour the firehouse, I'd, I'd risk a, a stepping out of a car, but only if I could go immediately <laughs> inside of the firehouse. Man, dude, if I could if I could be murdered and killed in the Ghostbusters firehouse, that's fine that with me. That can be man. arranged, man. Just uh, but get a brother up. Haul my, <laughs> haul my dead body out in an Ecto-1. We'll uh we'll have to call Sean Bishop and get that arranged. He's probably the closest with one with an ecto. I mean, not anymore. I think he's in Hawaii. Damn it. Okay. Well, listen, man. We will get your murder arranged pronto. I appreciate it. Thank You're you. Welcome. So yeah, <laughs> that belt gizmos, the Sanyo ICC eight hundred eight D Nixie tube with the red wire coming out of the error box, which is unfortunately not something you can identify on the outside of the calculator. So you don't know which one you have until you popped it open. It's they're like really expensive Pokemon. Um, and then they're just sitting <laughs> in. What are your thoughts on, on the gizmo holster? You think that's a found piece that they chopped up? Yeah. I mean, it looks like a tape measure holder, it right? Does. Um, and it's entirely possible it is a tape measure holder. It's entirely possible they took a tape measure holder and made a pattern off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, just kind of the knowing the way they did things back then, especially on this movie, I feel like it's probably off the rack. They modified it slightly and dyed it green or green, green, <laughs> dyed it black. All right, well, you're fired off this yeah, podcast. They're really green. They're, really they're green. over-dyed green. <laughs> they're over-dyed green. It's a trick of the light. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think that they're probably off the rack tape measure holders or some kind of tool holder, but more than likely a tape measure holder. So how how do we figure? How do we get ourselves into the mindset of of these props guys, of these costume departments from from 1983 on things that are off the rack versus things that are custom made? I mean, I always I always feel so bad when you get a new person coming in and they're like, oh, that's just off the rack because everything was off the rack. And you're like, ah, no, not really. There was there was more that was custom built for this movie yeah. than than was not. 
and they're like, oh, no, no, the, the proton pack is all just junk parts put together. It's like, eh, no, they, they carved it out of foam. <laughs> yeah. So where, how do we tell? For me, it's, it's a hard, it's very, it's a hard it's very thing. very hard. It, 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 you have to, first of all, you have to be super obsessive of a detail like us, I think, to, and have studied this stuff for so long to kind of even begin to kind of understand how it might have gone back then. Like, you know, we know that it was a fairly rushed production. It was I a mean, very short production, yes. You know, so you have to take that into account. Like, there's not going to be time to custom fabricate everything. Well, right. And thing and things like, but you have weird things like the belt gizmo holster, which seems so much more off the rack. It's it looks you know surplus, you know off the rack tape measure holster, you know holster cut up, throw the belt gizmo in there, call it a day. But then you have things like the the trap holster, which is so very evidently custom fabricated for the movie. And then things like the a maglite holster, which we've been able to find identical versions of still on the market today. Yeah. See, I don't agree. I don't necessarily agree on the trap holster. I I think the trap holster is probably also some piece of off the rack tool holder, something like that that was modified. Especially if you look at the one that. Uh, Vakeman has got on. Sure, that's when, that's usually and, the one that comes to mind first. So, like, walk me through this. Tell me your thought process. I mean, there's clearly something stamped in it. Right. A logo or text or something. I don't see a prop department or a wardrobe department going through the trouble of stamping something into the leather that's going to get dyed black and supposedly never seen by anybody, right? Right, except for a um, bunch of nerds 35 years later. Yeah, but but then, you know, there's a debate were they back with aluminum, were they not? And honestly, I think there's a bunch of different versions. Well, I definitely I, there's a bunch of different versions cuz it gets even more complicated with Ghostbusters 2 where we have we have known copies of the trap holster that have details like aluminum backing, but then they have details like brackets on the side and then you go back and you watch the movie and those brackets just simply aren't there. Yeah, well, and the Ghostbusters 2 ones are, those are clearly fabricated. Like, those are custom made. Right. You know, it could be a situation where the originals were just too broken down, uh, missing altogether, or beyond repair, so they had to fabricate new ones. Mm -hmm. And it was just, and at that point, it was just easier to make new ones than it would be to try and figure out what they made them from originally, right? Sure. If they were off the rack. They had a larger budget. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, you you think about things like that, and you know, nobody knows for sure except the people that were there. Right. Time machine. Um, Time machine. Right. That's another reason we got to get to Apex. Yeah. So we can find the the horde of belt gizmo holsters that they have in the background. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, you know, I've gone down the rabbit hole of trying to find vintage period tape measure holders, and the problem with stuff like that is it just rarely pops up because people used them. Oh yeah. You know, and they wore out, they broke, they dried out and cracked and snapped and people threw them away. You know, the same thing with like all the Legree elbows, mm -hmm. you know, that stuff wasn't meant to last forever. And, 
you know, if you're a surplus place, a lot of times you're pulling that shit off of stuff. It it's cracked. Well, it's not any good. You throw it away. You know. Right. Well, even I'm I'm looking at these photos. I'm looking at uh, the measure holster, or the you know the gizmo holster, and just the even the rivets on the side are much thicker than anything yeah. I think anyone has made. And even the gauge of the leather is thicker, I think, than what heavy duty, super heavy, heavy duty. duty. Um. Which, you know, things are way cheaply made nowadays yeah. compared to back then. So, you know, back then they probably were made to last. Yeah. Whereas nowadays they're just cranked out with and disposable. With little flat head leather rivets that, you know, last yeah. only for a few years. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. And uh, and then, of course, you know, going going back to the belts, we, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, the general consensus for the longest time I felt was that the belts were gray. Um, yeah. Obviously, I have been really, really rethinking that and looking at, you know, the Mosin's belt. Now people are, are kind of moving towards tan. I'm still not even convinced tan because they're just so damn old looking well and you know that's another thing that you always have to take into account when you know looking at pictures of the screen use stuff is you know it's aged it's almost 40 years old at this point right um you know and different materials age differently uh but like you know the belts for me there's this thought process in my head that there's some you know they're they're coordinated with the elbow pads mm-hmm so you've got gray elbow pads, you're going to have a gray belt. And again, even like the uniforms, they certainly look gray a, a lot of times. But it's there's a, a lot of times they look tan. It's a very, very different, different shade of gray. I, When I look at yeah. them, and again, this is heavily up for debate. When I look at them, I'm seeing natural cotton, mm-hmm. which is, it's not white. It's it's not tan or khaki. It's It's a natural... You know, it's uh, yeah. it's an off white. It's not not something as light as eggshell, not quite in that khaki realm yet. But when I look at the belt as it stands mm-hmm. now, it, it, to me, it looks like severely aged natural cotton. Um, but then, you know, buddies of ours like Matt Burkett make very good observations in which, you know, all the eyelets tend to have a lot of rust around them. Yeah. Which would indicate that they were exposed to some you know, severely undue moisture, which could have been yeah. from a dye bath. And then it raises even more questions. I'm, I'm thinking, well, why did they, why did they dye these after they put the eyelets in them and not dye the whole thing so that they can make sure they were all uniform in appearance before cutting and adding the eyelets? Uh, you know, some, some, sometimes things like that, I think are probably easier to do after the fact because fair. You never know how many you're going to have to make initially or whatever, and it's easier to cut them all and and assemble them all and then dye them in one batch versus trying to dye this huge roll of, you know, cotton webbing. Mm -hmm. They're they're a little more manageable once they're assembled. And then, of course, finally... That's that's my thought process. No, and I think that's definitely a fair thought process. I mean, it's, it's definitely reasonable 
to assume that that's what they did. They wanted to make sure the belts fit before anything. Yeah. And then the most frustrating thing about it is, well, where do we find a belt like this now? Yeah. You know, the ones that AJ used to sell in the GB fan shop. They were perfect. Like, yeah, 10 years ago, they're, I've still got, I think, two of them. And I just, I don't even want to wear them. Like, I just hoard them and, and protect them at all costs because I'm terrified something's going to happen uh, to yeah. them and I won't be able to. I, I still remember putting in an order for like another one or two of them when he announced that the manufacturer was changing how they made them and that the new ones yeah. would not have the uh, the corded pattern in them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still technically the same belts and everything, but they don't use that that corded cotton length anymore. And I just I'm like, yeah, that's that's the key, though. You know, that's the big difference between just a standard, you know, flat canvas pistol belt and something that looks like it's part of the Ghostbusters uniform. But luckily, I was able to get a few of those off of him. I've also found um, for somebody that wants to put in a little bit more elbow grease is you can find vintage versions of the belt uh, for um, parade use. So they don't have mm-hmm. eyelets. Um, but you end up with a nice big length of untainted white cotton with the with the right yeah. pattern. And then you just simply go through and you add your eyelets there. Um, as far as it being a surplus piece, absolutely not. Um, the the yeah. examples of the white M, um, M56 belts that I've been able to find, uh, they have thicker eyelets on the center ring, which is where you would uh, hang anything that has a, a hanger mechanism. Um, but they're, they're definitely not something that I've been able to find surplus wise. Yeah. I've, I've been searching for years and years and years. I can't tell you how many times I've spent a break at work sitting on eBay, looking at, you know, vintage military pistol belts or any variation mm-hmm. of there. Well, and see, that's the thing is, this is one of those situations where even if you're just trying to find something, you know, comparable to the screen used, it's it's aftermarket. It's one of those rare exceptions where aftermarket is better than genuine military issue. It is. It is. Yeah, there was that one sweet spot, kind of like with the, the khaki uniforms that Rothko really, really had something. Yeah. And then they changed it all. <laughs> it yeah. just messed it up. I mean, they used to have really spot on jumpsuits and really spot on belts. And now they have yellow jumpsuits and uh, belts that break if you look at them wrong, which is just a shame. Yeah. I mean, we can get into it in in another episode, but I think the afterlife belts are probably Rothko. I think the, the afterlife belts are the gray Rothko belts. I don't, I don't even know. Rothko. Do they still make them in gray? Yeah, I, I bought a few okay. not too terribly long ago after I saw uh, shots from Afterlife. So they're they're out gotcha. there. They're getting harder and harder to find. Um, but that particular shade of gray that they are looks almost identical. I mean, I, I would just need somebody to confirm it from from the costume department. Yeah, I mean, it's either that or they, they bought white ones and, and dyed them themselves. Which it's also yeah. very possible the shade of gray that they have yeah. is is as rich. I would say as, as a custom die job. Yeah. But yeah, the, uh, the screen use belts, you know, going back to the aftermarket stuff, I've got like seven or eight Mm -hmm. pistol belts and every single one of them is a different color, dude. Mm. Oh yeah. Every single one of them. 
I've got all the way to the very gray, all the way down to you know the belts that AJ sold and everything in between. Super khaki um, ones, I've, yeah. I've even got one that's very similar looking to how the Mosin belt looks right now. It's kind of got more of that aged kind of yellow tinge to it, um, you know, which I, I have no way of dating any of these. I don't know when they were manufactured, but it makes me wonder, okay, well, is this one, you know, if, you know, we know they're custom made, but did they get their, uh, their webbing from some kind of supplier that also supplied very possible. aftermarkets, Absolutely. you know, like, and I did that, you know, at one point I was searching Alibaba um, and came up with some really, really close uh, suppliers when I was trying to see if yeah. I could just source a spool of nothing mm-hmm. but raw cotton webbing. Um, but, uh, you know, with nylon now, you know, nobody's yeah. really using it. Uh, you'll get fashion accessories, but generally that ends up being, you know, two inches wide, which is one inch too short, I'm afraid, for the belts. Yeah. Yeah, um, but they're out there. You know, there are great yeah. options that are out there. Um, you know, uh, the Rothko white belts are are still a really good solid option because a lot of people still have um, that appropriate pattern to to the webbing itself. And if you're able to nab yeah. one of those, that's a great one to you know do a, a very light. I mean, a very 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 light dye job too to to get to that nice off-white not quite khaki Mm -hmm. not quite gray but you know somewhere in between that that's starting to come up on on what the elbow pads were um yeah and i've experimented with some different dye baths and stuff um mixing you know i I tend to not ever use any of the gray dyes because they, they either tend to be too blue or too purple they do um and you know it, you have to neutralize it and all this other crap. And so I just tend to use black, like really diluted black. Mm-hmm. And it always, it's always consistent for me. And uh, I've been experimenting with heavily diluted black with some of the, uh, the writ. I believe it's just called tan. Okay. I think it's just tan. Interesting. I've gotten some decent results with it, but again, it's all up for debate because in this lighting, it leans gray in this lighting, it leans khaki. Sometimes they look too dark. Sometimes they look too light. So it's it's just such a weird color to pin down. Are we are we going to get khaki crusaders for the belts, or is that just strictly jumpsuits? The no, the elbow pads are khaki too. <laughs> the elbow pads, actually, the whole everything is, you know, the yeah. the dye on the the gizmo holsters, the belt accessories, the boots, the whole shebang. It's all various. The, the proton packs are painted satin khaki. They're they're sepia sepia proton packs (laughs) yeah so elbow pads yeah that's uh that's an interesting one you know i always had it in my head i had always seen uh the raw style of the volleyball knee pads in which it had that big opening in in the crook you know what would be right behind your knee or your your elbow and i always thought oh well it makes sense the the they sewed on black patches of fabric to cover up that hole but that's that doesn't seem to be the case well especially when you consider there's several shots in the movie where vankman only has one black square on one elbow pad so are they sewn on 
I don't know. It, to me, it looks like there are some versions that have some kind of sewn-on patch, elastic, or some kind of fabric. Right. And then there's there's instances where they look like they're painted on. And the I mean, the it, Spangler ones, again from from Pete Mosen's prior collection, um, shows the the black patches, but they are not patches. It's the it's it's almost exposed paint or. You know, they painted on squares something. There was some kind of painting yeah. application going on there in which it looks like there's a black patch on that part of the elbow pad, but there there isn't. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't think it's really up for debate that they just spray painted the elbow pads. Right? Right. I think we all pretty much agree because anybody that's tried to dye a set gray knows no. they just don't take dye. Very they well. don't. You'll you'll get some into the bubble um, and it'll rough up the but, bubble. Yeah. And uh, no, the they were definitely, definitely hemmed down <laughs> with scissors. Yes. With uh, with what's the, the hem stop kind of glue stuff that you would put on the edges. Because when you man, when you look at them up close, they are they are rough rough looking yeah. pieces of costume very well very rough and you know they're only made to last the duration of filming sure so you know and uh but then you look at it and you're like okay so there's these big black patches but there's you know i i can't tell if it's something that the light is tricking my eye am i seeing stitch patterns there because i'm expecting to see stitch patterns there or are these big black squares just simply paint? I'm ashamed, but I can't find the reference picture. I've been trying to find it for like two minutes. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I don't see it on the uh, on the reference library. Um. So, but I mean, I know what you're talking about. It's uh, to me those those pads. They look they look painted. Well, they are. Yeah, but I mean, I don't feel like, I wish I could think of the particular examples where it seemed like that they were like some kind of patch sewn on. And you know, the, the thing too is, it could be a situation where maybe they tried, they tried out a sewn on patch and it was too, too cumbersome, too tight. And so they took it off and they painted them on. You know, we know that they were altering things, you know, while filming the prop mm-hmm. or filming the film. You know, the uh, the yellow rod trap is a good example of that. Sure. But yeah, I, I don't know. The, uh, the biggest question for me is what brand were they? Sure. You know, they have such a, or they appear to have a much more unique almost taller shape to the bubble. They are than... much a much higher bubble than than I think what uh, Ghostbuster fans offers. Now that being said, I still think Ghostbuster fans offers the the nicest replicas of the elbow pads on the market. Definitely oh yeah. Better than anything else that is out there. Um and I'm I'm almost ashamed to say it. I prefer my Ghostbuster f- fans ones over doing my own uh, spray and dye 
and and cut just because they're really well made. They're really, really oh, well made. AJ really just knocked it out of the park with that particular yeah. offering. Well, and you know, to be honest with you, I would I mean I'm still wearing Samoa pads that I've put together and I think I mentioned last episode I got some Samoa pads, you know, years and years ago that I still wear. And the only reason I still wear them is because I didn't cut them and hem them. I fold them. Mm-hmm. I've always folded them because I knew if I cut them, they're just going to fray to pieces. You know, I, and, I uh, actually still have my first set that I cut and dyed and painted. And I used fabric paint. The, the bubble's a little bit too dark on them, but my wife uses yeah. them. And I'm, I've been surprised at how well they, they have held up over the years. Do you remember what brand they were? Um, I actually don't remember off the top of my head, but I still have, uh, two or three in the package. I will try and remember to look that up for our next episode. Cause I, I will say that the best ones, you know, that I've ever run across and ever used have been the, the Mark Warts, mm-hmm. um, which unfortunately they don't make anymore, which I still have two new sets in the package that i've i've been hoarding for the for the eventual you know uh highly screen accurate you know ghostbusters one and ghostbusters two full mannequin displays that i'll probably never do but i'll have to come and relieve you of some of your hoard (laughs) after i've been murdered in that firehouse you can pay man we're we're arranging it we're gonna make sure you are murdered (laughs) (laughs) that would there, that's that's I go to jail because I murder one of my best friends over Ghostbuster props. Okay, but when you go to jail, you have to wear your Magnolia suit and you have to tuck a replica of the blueprints into your flight suit and make sure they <laughs> let you into that holding cell with a set of blueprints. You, you know, I finally got a set of those blueprints. We're we're going off topic, but we we are we are going to do an episode on paper Ghostbusters props. I'm so happy I finally oh, have absolutely. a set of those blueprints. And they're so nice that I'm going to order a second set just so I can fold them up and whip them out of my jumpsuit. Yes, please. Every time, you know, Dragon Con or whatever, we're all out to eat somewhere. Just, you just come over and lean over that table. Cold riveted girders. <laughs> with cores. With cores of pure selenium. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> that, that was, for, for our listeners, that has been like my dream costume. Like that for me... That is the Ghostbusters outfit right there is Ray Stance in jail, in a uniform, no belt, whipping those blueprints out of his jumpsuit and just flopping that down. And I've, I've been telling Austin since like 2009 that that's the Ghostbusters costume I want. I'm so close now. I'm, I'm so close. I have I have every everything starting to come together. Everything's starting to isn't come it, together. Isn't it great that you can you can basically dress completely down? to just your jumpsuit like unzipped and just be as lazy as you want and you're still in costume oh you're still you're a still ghost technically buster. you're still a ghostbuster yeah. yeah you can look like a complete i love it now. so boots yes my favorite actually before we move on okay. to boots all right what, what you got i want to i want to backtrack a little bit on, on the elbow pads and talk about the different brands and stuff yeah um and ask you if you've ever gone into researching any like period elbow pads i have not um i'll i'll be honest with you austin when it when it comes to the elbow pads i've been so uh mesmerized with the comfortability and the quality of the gb fans ones that i kind of just stopped 
Um, gotcha. I, For me, it's still a quest. It's still an ongoing to thing. find it to not. If I can't find the perfect elbow pad, at least attempting to replicate it, sure, some in some fashion. Um, you know, as far as the the stretched out, taller bubble thing, you know, Fernando, our good friend Fernando Hernandez, mm-hmm. uh, came up with that method years ago that he posted on GB fans of of just stitching a, a piece of elastic to the inside on the elastic band of the bubble. And it, it pulled it in tight enough just so it, it kind of elongated the bubble mm-hmm. and gave you almost an identical look to the GB1 pads. And he, he did that with Mark Wartz, I believe. Interesting. I, I, I'm going to have to go back and look at that. He's such a he's such a clever creator and such a clever dude, builder. He's the best, man. I love Fernando. Not to be mixed up with Hernando Fernandez, his evil doppelganger. I call- yeah, he's got a he's got a he's clean shaven. Yes. And has terrible hair. The complete <laughs> opposite of Fernando. But yeah, like that was a really great method and I mean it looks great. It looks spot on. And so that may be what I end up doing with my mark warts, but one of your mark warts. One of them. Yeah. Probably both because you need one for each arm. All right. Well, one pair of your mark warts. Yes. But no, I've I've gone down the rabbit hole trying to find some some period accurate elbow pads, and there's just I haven't ever really found anything. I even, you know, I thought, well, if they did use maybe some kind of Mark Wart pad, you know, it's an earlier version of it, mm-hmm. um, and I just I haven't run across anything. And again, it's so hard to try and date things like this, especially if you find them used. And again, they got used. People tend to throw them away after time, you know? Yeah. So unless you're lucky to, Jimmy to run into some kind of new old stock. Jim equipment isn't exactly something that people would hold on to after using yeah. for a while. Yeah. Like, hey, what what, what kind of jock strap was Venkman wearing in 1983? Can we find a used one, please? Thank you. No? I don't know, but we're going to find out. In what shade of khaki gray green is it? <laughs> There's a tinge of yellow. He was a heavy drinker. Only in certain areas. He was a heavy drinker. Oh boy. It was a it was a different time. It was a different time. Yes, as it was. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I guess we can move on to boots. I just I want that mystery to be solved, you know. They're they're clearly some kind of older version of those elbow pads. Yeah. Um Well, how about yeah. all right, so with boots though, how about mysteries that have been solved that people refuse to listen to? <laughs> um yeah they're not corcoran's they're not carolinas yeah they're built rights yeah and i will i will defer to you for most of this argument because so um I, I haven't done very much research on the boots um at all so i i have managed to uh firmly stumble into by sheer dumb luck Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2 accurate boots. Um, now, the the definitive identifier on these is actually the soles. Um, and you can see the soles in both Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2 have two very distinct green plugs in them. Um, you can see it when the Ghostbusters are climbing out of the earthquake hole in front of... Uh, um, 55 Central Park West 
Uh, you can see mm-hmm. the green plugs there. And then, of course, when Ray is hanging over the River of Slime, you can see yeah. the double green plugs in there. And those are Biltrite Grease Stop Anti-Slip Soles. And uh, yeah. they are not military issue. Um, yeah. One of the things is that Corcoran has had their their zipper keepers on their boots for a very, very long time. Very, mm-hmm. very long time. Um, and Carolina's, well, I, I gotta be honest, I didn't do enough research to see if they, if they did, but, um, the sole patterns on jump boots are completely different. Yeah. Um, now this, this, if you want a a good shot of what the sole on your Ghostbusters accurate boots should look like, you can find photos of the, of the boots that I own over at Harsh Hobbies Incorporated on Facebook. Um, and there is a photo album for the built right boots. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're not Carolinas. They're not Corcoran's. They, they look very, very similar, but there's only so many styles and patterns of heavy duty boot. And this just happens to be a reinforced toe, which is very, very common Mm -hmm. with work boots and motorcycle boots. And of course, then, um, combat boots, um, but they are, they're unfortunately not Corcoran 995s. Um, they're built rights, 1983. They would have been brand new off the shelf, um, measured specifically for the actor. And that's, that's essentially where the information stops. Your best luck is of course, just searching on eBay for like kind and quality. Um, I have, uh, a pair that look good for ghostbusters one boots as well um you know has the the correct nickel side zipper ghostbusters 2 has brass zippers those Mm -hmm. being the the two big differences but they both share the same style sole so same manufacturer likely in those boots that they went to um which again is b-i-l-t-r-i-t-e built right grease stopper anti-slip treads and uh they're nice. I mean, they're good boots. Interestingly enough, um, I've had the same issues with both sets of my Ghostbuster 2 boots in which the leather desperately wants to dry out. And I highly recommend um, lots of uh, leather moisturizer on those mm-hmm. things if you're going to wear them. I would also even go so far as to if you take really hot showers... Um, this is an old school method for breaking in Doc Martens, but keep your boots in the bathroom with you so that your bathroom gets nice and hot and steamy and that will actually moisturize the boots as well. I haven't had yeah. much of a problem with that with my Ghostbuster one boots, which is odd because, um, you know, they, they would tend to be older. Um, yeah. But yeah, those that's, that is a mystery that people are still believing isn't solved, but actually has been for some time. Um, and they are easier to find than I think people will, would gather. Um, yeah, you know, they, I would say pretty consistently pop up, pop up on eBay once or twice a month. Um, Mm -hmm. so definitely something for, for people to look out and I was able to find my size too. Now they run small. I'll definitely put that warning out there. Um, you know, 10 and a halfs are fitting more like nines or my feet are also just getting fatter. That's also a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're out there. 
It's just you got to be vigilant about it and and keep that hunting and be prepared to to fight for them. It's definitely not going to be something that's going to come cheap, but you are going to be getting something that is accurate within the same price point as a brand new pair of 995s. Um, yeah. So there it is. Well, and you know, Those are boots. the... The, you know, the Corcoran's are fine. They are. Uh, again, they can be modified to look great. And, you know, yeah. I, I'm not going to say, hey, don't get 995s, even though I, I believe what I have heard is that they're discontinuing the model, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, it seems every time Ghostbuster fans get interested in something, the model gets discontinued. Um, But if you can find them, it doesn't take a lot to, to bring them up to, to a passable snuff. You know, you can... Um, if you have an older pair, you can sand down the zippers to expose whatever metals underneath, or you can, you know, use uh, yeah. rub and buff on them. I always prefer rub and buff as, as far as any kind of work you're going to do on boot zippers. Cause you have a little bit more control over the color. Um, mm-hmm. whereas with jumpsuits, you know, it, it, with jumpsuits, it's, it can be kind of a crap shoot. Cause you never really know what kind of metal you have underneath the, the paint job. Yeah. Yeah, I always just take a razor blade and scrape off the zipper poles and, and the zipper teeth just to kind of double check. Um, you know, it's occasionally just... occasionally you run into some that are just they're just copper. Yeah. There are some kind of really heavy duty copper plating under the black, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is still better than those those cast gray. Yeah. Zippers. But I think the biggest thing, though, that annoys me with the nine nine fives is that zipper keeper. Because even if yeah. you cut the zipper keeper off, you still have those big, big, ugly snaps just sitting there. Well, I mean, and you can remove the snaps and you can, you know, you can take a, a leather hole punch and punch out some plugs out of the cover itself and just kind of stick in there and glue in, and glue in place. It's not going to be perfectly seamless, but it's going to be better than nothing. Well, I, you know, that you bring that up, I wonder if you could, you know, you put in a leather you punch the leather out of uh, the over flap, glue the, the punches into the holes, and then use some of that furniture leather repair over it. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I've never tried it, it out. on those boots themselves, yeah, but I, I've patched you know holes in leather before that way. It's definitely not something I have to do, because I have screen-accurate boots, Austin. I, I do, too, somewhere. <laughs> They're two sizes too big. I say, hold on, I say that. Mine have been resold. At some point. So I don't know for sure they're 100% accurate. That, that is actually my my next quest is finding the the built-right soles that are in good shape so I can resole my Ghostbusters 1 boots. My Ghostbusters 2 boots, and I have two sets of both. My Ghostbusters 2 boots are in pretty pristine condition, which is why I'm always worried about them cracking if I wear them. Just because that leather is it's it's dried out, definitely. Um yeah. But the Ghostbusters one well, boots super safe to wear. You know, and I wore my the boots that I have for a long time. Like I said, they're they're two sizes too big. But I found them randomly in a thrift store for ten bucks. Oh man, years ago, and I was like, yeah, I'm not passing these up. And at the time, they were like really rare. Like people, ha- barely barely anybody had really found any. Right. And I mean, it's still probably one of my most favorite proud you know wild finds that is an awesome but, find that is a good find um because they're two sizes too big you know obviously i, I put on like three or four pairs of socks with them <laughs> and uh 
you know, just from wearing them over the years, they've eventually gotten to the point where the zippers uh, misalign oh, no. a lot, and they come. So I've kind of retired them because I'm I'm terrified of like doing further damage to them. Oh no! So now I just wear. I've got some some regular Corcorans that don't have the zippers on the side that I wear just for you know when I'm me, just you. Yeah, yeah. If I'm feeling lazy, uh, I have some slip-on boots. And then I just go for the Venkman look, and nobody knows the better. <laughs> yeah, I need I need to go take these boots and have zippers put in because I fucking hate having to lace them up. <laughs> I hate it, dude. It's such a pain in the ass. It really, well, especially because, um, you know, I have jump boots in the same size that are just quick lace. Um, so there's no yeah. side zipper and they actually fit much more comfortable around the calf. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why I, for some reason, the calves on the zipper boots are much, much tighter. And I could not, for the life of me tell you why it's something with the cut or my fat legs. I don't know. There's something going on there. I'm not fitting them right. Going to have to get some custom made. Yeah. Get, uh, get some nine, nine fives and a hole punch and some glue. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Well, listen, we're, we're about at the end of our hour and a half. It looks like we're going to be going steady for an hour and a half, Austin, which I'm actually okay with consistency being key here. Um, yeah, but we've, we, I'm good with it too. We've revisited patches. We revisited, uh, Ghostbusters one jumpsuits and, and we've talked about belts, boots and, and elbow pads. Was there anything else you wanted to chat about with before we wrap it up for today? Not really. I think that pretty much covers it. You know, we haven't really solved anything yet, but we've opened up the discussion gates, I suppose. Well, I, that's what it's about. And of course, you know, if you want to join yeah. the discussion, um, feel free to join us on uh, Spangler's 1984 Workbench on Facebook.com. Be sure to like us on Spotify and on Instagram. Uh, Austin, are we on Twitter? We are on Twitter. So like us on Twitter. And uh, from what I understand, once I get some audio files over to you, we'll also be on YouTube. So make sure you like us on all those platforms there. Guys, give us a a nice review back. Five stars if you like us very, very much. Um, One star if you hate us or don't. I don't care. Um, But (laughs) this is this is Dan Harshman and my buddy. Austin, yeah, for the Black Firehouse podcast, uh, wishing you all a very wonderful evening and Hey, go out there and build something. As a duly designated representative of the city, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and Davey slow! Spray has gone bye-bye, you gun. What have you got left? For whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.